Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today, I'll be reading from An Ode to the Fourth of July, 1876, by James Russell Lowell. In a span of 15 months, from April 19, 1875, to July 4, 1876, Lowell wrote three memorial odes marking the 100th anniversaries of three events in the birth of the United States. Ode read at the 100th anniversary of the fight at Concord Bridge, 19th of April, 1875. Under the Old Elm, commemorating the day in July of 1775, when tradition held that General Washington took command of the fledgling Continental Army under the Washington Elm of the Cambridge Common adjoining Harvard University, and the Ode for the Fourth of July, 1876, from which I'll be reading a section today. The first poem presents freedom as a woman, fairest of all the daughters of time and thought. The second, under the Old Elm, was Lowell's own favorite, written for and read at the anniversary ceremony when his friend Oliver Wendell Holmes was unavailable. No doubt the more conservative Holmes would have been happy with the patriotic result. The Ode for the Fourth of July, though, is not really of a piece with these two. Lowell is far more critical of his present day. The section I've chosen opens with a declaration that there are murmurs in the air denouncing his present-day America as degenerate in relation to its auspicious founding and early greatness. Rather than challenging this view, Lowell elaborates it, asking his listeners if America in 1876 was really the country they dreamed of in their youth. He concludes the section with a criticism of the politicians of his day, contrasting the foolish debates of the present-day U.S. Senate with the grandeur of its great past orators Henry Clay and John Webster. Let's listen. An Ode for the Fourth of July, 1876, by James Russell Lowell. Murmur of many voices in the air denounces us degenerate, unfaithful guardians of a noble fate and prompts indifference or despair. Is this the country that we dreamed in youth, where wisdom and not numbers should have weight, seed field of simpler manners, braver truth, where sham should cease to dominate in household, church, and state? Is this Atlantis, this the unpoisoned soul, sea-whelmed for ages and recovered late, where parasitic greed no more should coil round freedom's stem, to bend awry and blight what grew so fair, sole plant of love and light. Who sit where once in crowned seclusion sat the long-proved athletes of debate trained from their youth, as none thinks needful now? Is this debating club where boys dispute and wrangle o'er their stolen fruit, the senate erewhile cloister of the few, where clay once flashed in Webster's cloudy brow, brooded those bolts of thought that all the horizon knew. Fifty years ago, liberal critics accused Lowell of elitism for his lament that numbers, that is, populism, 
should have more weight than wisdom in the governing of America. Today, the charge of elitism when ruling populism is more likely to be made by conservatives. But in any case, it's a charge unlikely to stick. Lowell was outspoken in his belief that the vote should not be restrained, but rather extended, both to those freed from enslavement and their descendants, and to all women, whether black or white or of any other color. What Lowell lamented was not majority rule, but rather the failure of American education to foster wisdom. The desire for wealth rather than virtue was the bane of American life, he felt, and the only force that could counter that was education. But America has always had an anti-intellectual bias, mistrusting those who've studied history and philosophy and poetry, science and math and economics. We admire those whose public speech manipulates rather than elevates, and sham prospers more than truth. One need be neither conservative nor liberal to lament these things. Let's listen again. An Ode for the Fourth of July, 1876, by James Russell Lowell. Murmur of many voices in the air, denounce us degenerate, unfaithful guardians of a noble fate, and prompts indifference or despair. Is this the country that we dreamed in youth, where wisdom and not numbers should have weight, seed field of simpler manners, braver truth, where shams should cease to dominate in household, church, and state? Is this Atlantis? This the unpoisoned soil, sea-whelmed for ages and recovered late, where parasitic greed no more should coil round freedom's stem to bend awry and blight what grew so fair, sole plant of love and light? Who sit where once in crowned seclusion sat the long-proved athletes of debate, trained from their youth, as none thinks needful now? Is this debating club where boys dispute and wrangle o'er their stolen fruit? The Senate, erewhile cloister of the few, where clay once flashed in Webster's cloudy brow brooded those bolts of thought that all the horizon knew. What Lowell asked for in these lines is some national self-reflection. There are those today who reject national self-reflection, just as there are those who reject individual self-reflection. But self-reflection has been a part of America from the beginning. When Washington was asked what he thought of the French-American Hector Saint-Jean de Crevecourt's letters from an American farmer, he replied that it flattered America too much. Whatever the merits of Crevecourt's book, and it's a book I admire very much, that Washington thought it possible to overpraise America is well worth remembering. One can become great by being brash and bold, but no nation nor no individual can remain great in the eyes of posterity without self-reflection. But still, is the 4th of July the best day for national self-reflection? Perhaps not. Lowell himself continues on to say that, Not to America's natal day belong time's prudent doubt or ages wrong, but gifts of gratitude and song. So let the 4th be a day of grilling hot dogs and drinking soda pop, 
that still leaves 364 days for self-reflection. I hope you enjoyed this passage from Ode for the Fourth of July, 1876, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. And visit this podcast website, firesidepoems.com, where you'll find previous episodes and also my email address. I'd love to hear from you to learn a little bit about who you are and what you like as you join me each week by the fireside.